friends! Welcome to episode 136 of Storyteller Conclave, a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master to learn the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I'm not doing too bad. Yeah. Uh, but I did want to say before we get started, uh-huh. uh, one of the things that we do before our uh, live show is that I usually run uh, about 10 minutes of audio uh, of music, and it's Arcane Anthems that always uh, I always put in there. And I run through just a loop. I'm, I'm going to be updating that loop so you guys aren't hearing the same old thing, like 14 different versions of it. Um because I haven't gone back, but uh, Weston is the author of Arcane Anthems, uh, and you can find him on Patreon. Unfortunately, he had a recent medical emergency, and uh, I uh, had some surgery. He's doing okay, mm-hmm. um, but we would uh, we would like to wish Weston uh, and uh, of Arcane Anthems a speedy recovery. It sounds like he's doing all right, uh, but I hope he's able to get back to producing music and uh, continuing his and, and us continuing being patrons of his. Uh, so that he can keep creating great music for RPGs. And if you if you need background music for your games, uh, I highly recommend going over and listening to his stuff. Some stuff is very comedic. I played a little bit of it, but not a lot uh, on the uh, as pre-show music. But uh, it, it's it's amusing. He he does some great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Get well soon, Liz. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we haven't any games. It had, really, the last week has been nothing but work. And, yeah, uh, it, we're we're in that weird holiday place. Yeah. Um, my game was supposed to be last weekend. Yeah, it was. That did not happen. Uh, and then I like two days before my game, uh, I had like two separate people go. So I might have COVID. Yeah, we definitely had COVID <laughs> okay, in one well, place. We're so. uh, we're gonna put the kibosh on that. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely make the 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 safer side of that. So. Yeah, definitely. It's it's I it, d- disappointing not to play, and yeah. I think I think some of my players, I I got a little salty, and but it's not directed at anybody. It's just. We haven't played since September, and yeah. I would really like to. No, no, I, <laughs> you know, all of us would like to play. It's, uh, it's, we are in that weird spot. And but like, no, no, absolutely. December is always a weird time to try and squeeze a game in, either right at the beginning or you have to wait to the end. Yeah, everybody's got family going on, such like thoughts. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is what it is. Yes, you yes. Know, we'll we'll get around to it. Of course. But hopefully, of I'll course. remember how to play Savage Worlds by then. I think you'll be fine if my wife can remember the rules. <laughs> And she hasn't even read the book. I was like, pop quiz at dinner. Yeah. No, it worked out great. And it's funny. It's telling. Uh, Savage Worlds is, is not hard to get into. It's mm-hmm. it's really nice for that. Um, which kind of brings us into some of the aspects of tonight. We'll definitely get into that. But uh, I think the great thing about Savage Worlds is that uh, it's one of those games where you literally, if you know enough fundamentals of how the rules work, you literally can make it up as you go along. And you're probably going to be right. Most of the time. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that statement. I would agree with that <clears throat> statement. But tonight's show... Tonight! Tonight is a very genre-specific game. Yeah. Um, this is one that um, I have has, has kind of been on my radar. Yeah. Mostly because of the video game, Cyberpunk 2077. Yes. Um, I'll be dead honest with you. I literally did not know that it was based off a role-playing game mm-hmm. until I started le- learning a little bit more about the video game that recently came out. Yeah, I remember when cyberpunk originally came out Mm -hmm. um i I remember back in 1988 uh seeing it alongside some of the other games and i was interested in it but for some reason i didn't think cyberpunk was its own game 
Hmm. I thought that it was part of something else. Like, because I was looking at it from like the palladium angle where it was like, oh, systems have all these things. Like oh, GURPS have all these things. And Cyberpunk right. was just a section of one of those things. And in my youth, I could easily make that mistake. Cause... Well, sure. I mean, well, the, the two biggest games during our during our youth, other than Dungeons and Dragons, were, like you said, Palladium, which, yeah. which spanned multiple systems, and Vampire the Masquerade, yep. which was the only one facet of the entire World of Darkness. Correct. And... There were always aspects um, that bled into other games, and I, I, after reading through some of the research for this, I found out that there was a group that actually put vampires and gargoyles and things into the cyberpunk universe oh. in the in the earlier editions. I okay. think it was during the um, the not the the nineteen ninety release, the original cyberpunk twenty twenty. The eighty eight uh, release. Uh, the eighty eight release was was the first release. The Cyberpunk twenty twenty was released in nineteen ninety, uh-huh. and I think after that is when we got a bunch of add ons and things like that that were thrown into it. Oh yeah, um, yeah, like uh, ninety 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 two and ninety three. I think there were there were, were there point like versions, two were, little yeah. subversions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it had a lot of supplement books that mm-hmm. were added to it. Uh, twenty eight. There were six adventures, and then there were additional twelve adventures that were licensed by Atlas Games. So it was, there was a huge pack. For yeah, that's Cyberpunk. not that's not a small game. At no, any, by no, any means. no. And and I think that's it's telling for its time of when it came in, how popular it was, and like when I think of cyberpunk, I the term I think Shadowrun. That well, yeah. was my first foray into that, and mine as and, well. And uh, so when I went back and and kind of looked at cyberpunk as a system, I went, I can see where people went one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and how the two of them kind of carried everything in a direction. Um, we like, I'll ask you this. What was the other D and D game that was out there? Oh, uh, the other D and D game. When D and D was out, was there another game that was like D and D another system? Think about it. I mean, I want to say there was, but I'm not, you can't name it. I can't, I can't name it. Like, I mean, I know. GURPS, GURPS was, it had its fingers in every single pie out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say there was, I mean, there, there was Rollmaster. Rollmaster yep. was a big one. Fantasy Palladium was the other. Fantasy Palladium, yeah. Because that's where it started. The actual but you Palladium. Don't, but most people don't think of fantasy when they think of Palladium. They think of Ritz See, and I've actually and, played Fantasy yeah. Palladium before, yeah. But it's not what you think of as a direct, like, in line with fantasy of... D and D. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess maybe the reason that that name didn't come to mind, even have even having played it, was that uh, I, I the way you phrased your question kind of made it seem like it was a peer, and it never was a peer. And that's the thing is, is D and D was peerless in the fantasy yeah. genre. You know, you had you had cyberpunk, uh-huh. and then you had uh, uh, in comparison to it, um, Shadow Shadowrun. Run. Yeah, and then to a degree, you had the Palladium kind of. Uh, world attached that because it kind of all fat, you know, fell within that world is falling apart, technology is changing everything, and maybe magic's a thing, maybe it's not. We don't know. Sure. Um, but I liked the fact that Cyberpunk removed the almost completely removed the magical aspect and inserted heavily the concept of of humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people attached it. Actually, closer to Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, I could see that. 
I can see that. There's there's definitely a lot of aspects of examining like what the nature of I said what the nature of the soul is makes it sound a lot more philosophical, but you know, as you get cybered out and yeah. even even just existing in the bleak world of cyberpunk, mm-hmm. you know, where do you find your humanity? How do you define yourself in a in a in a society like that? Right. You know? And I and I think at the time that it came out, that was a question because we had um you had a uh Michael Mike Pondsmith who who created it mm-hmm. um was trying to write about the cyberpunk science fiction genre that was really being born you had um Walter John Williams uh, hardwired uh that came out um you had Blade Runner mm-hmm. um although he didn't read it till after he started his stuff uh William Gibson's Neuromancer yeah was yeah. a huge part of that um and then you had uh like Streets of Fire mm-hmm. and Bubblegum Crisis. Bubble and I loved Crisis, Bubble yeah. Gum, Bubblegum Crisis. Um, and looking back in like in my own history and, and going back through the things of that time, I was attached to all of that stuff. Yeah. And it, it made sense for me, but I never really got attached to cyberpunk, which mm-hmm. was weird for me. Like I didn't get into it till like much later in high school and, and even into college is when I stepped into Shadowrun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I loved it. The moment that I stepped into it, I loved it. And I thought that it was a great fantasy sci-fi setting. Uh-huh. But cyberpunk is a dystopian technology setting. Yes. there's. It's not fantasy. And I think that's the key component that makes it different, is that we are really honestly stepping away from fantasy. Yes. Uh, and, and going going over the rules, that that was that was probably the biggest thing that hit me too. Was um, uh, with without spreading itself so th- I say spreading itself thin because I I don't want to I don't want to use this as a platform to dunk on Shadowrun because Shadowrun is great at what it is, um, and it's a very beloved system. I love it too. No, I I love Shadowrun. I will not dunk on it at all. But the one thing I will say about it though is it's got its irons in a lot of different fires. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you've you've got not only this you know corporate dystopian future with cyberware and and you know things like that, um, mm-hmm. but you've also got uh, you know your magic and you've also got the metahumans mm-hmm. and you've got of course the the matrix mm-hmm. um, you know running the matrix and stuff like that. So you've got all this technology and stuff like that. Um, cyberpunk to me really felt like when I was reading it over, like they just took the core of what makes the cyberpunk genre cyberpunk with a small c correct um genre you know including things like cyberpunk 20 uh, you know cyberpunk red cyberpunk 2020 cyberpunk uh, and and uh, shadowrun such like that um and cut it down to its barest essentials and they're like look we don't need all the stuff about magic that's it's cool but this is not that story. Right. You know, right. We're going to focus on what happens to real people when this all happens. Right. And I, th- I think that was one of the kind of really neat aspects of, of it was, is that, uh, it followed a timeline. Like the stories, prog- like the, the, the story progressed as the game came out. Yeah. So you had like, by the time we get to cyberpunk red, it is 2023, to 2045 mm-hmm. that's the time space whereas where it started let me go back and look at this uh because cyberpunk itself was set in uh, the 20 uh 2030s so we're 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 kind of 
pushing ahead in time now to 2045. Yeah. yeah. And we're explaining what's going on. Why it's red is because we've had global wars. Mm-hmm. We've had global famine. We've got space stations that, you know, if they don't like something, are firing particles out of space to the Earth in populated areas, mm-hmm. you know, because nothing falls to Earth like at like a rocket as a freaking tungsten rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and then just straight up nuke. A like, nuke goes the, off in Night City. Yeah, basically in the space between the, the city that sits between modern day L.A. and um, San Francisco, San Francisco yep. that has like five million people currently, I want to say. Yep. Um, but it had a lot more before that. A nuke goes off. Yeah, corporate, like, corporate war escalated. Yeah, to yeah. to a ridiculous point. But like the Middle East is glass and and radiation. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there are whole swaths of the United States that are just not not habitable. Yeah, that yeah. are just gone. It's it, a it's a bleak future. Yeah, you know? Japan's a major power. China's a major power. Russia didn't fall apart like we expected it to. Like the U.S. fell apart. And now it's just the corporate U.S. Mm-hmm. kind of a thing. You know, South America is is just in shambles and war. But things are getting better. That's the thing is that we're at that cusp where things are finally starting to make a turn. And it's that struggle. It's not showing that life is going more into the shitter. It's the turn up that we're doing right now. Humanity is making the turn. Yeah, yeah. We may not be, we may not all be coming together and, you know, and Akuna Matata, you know, kind of kumbaya, let's, let's make the world a better place. It's not that kind of making it better. We're talking that on an individual level, humanity has made the turn. We now have the, instead of politicians driving things, we have charismatic forces. Mm Mm-hmm. That are changing things. The media actually has control uh, in many ways of of doing the right thing or spinning things the way they want it. You know, that's the political driving forces now because they're the ones telling the story that are out there. And so you've got individuals, basically like media bloggers and, and vloggers, who are turning into these uh, errant... Uh, poster children for change mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. and you know growing so you end up with a very odd mix of everything from your your ham-fisted fighters and and gun bunnies who are you know who are ex-cops or or military or whatever geared up to the nines or cybered out doing legwork and dirty work all the way out to you know media jocks and rockers and corporate executives who are who are literally trying to make a name for themselves at the same time as making change either for the better or for their betterment yeah yeah i i think if if there is if there is a ray of hope (laughs) in in this particular um uh, particular setting and i i and i think that's that was the I, i think one of the things that really kind of um I don't know, maybe put me a little off balance about it. Right. Was like, I, in my mind, and I know you said you were doing the same thing, you kept comparing it to Shadowrun. Um, yeah. In, 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 because that's where your experience lies. So yeah, you're yeah. Try that's... to compare it to what, what you already know. Yeah. Um, was, man, this setting is bleak. 
This setting is bleak, where corporations run everything, and, you know, orbital defense lasers have ruined 90% of everything, and a nuke went off in the city, and it felt very hopeless. But, like, I think at the same time, though, there is that little ray of hope of, like, even your little characters may start out scraping together a living off Mm -hmm. of doing, you know, weird little odd jobs, Um, but you can become a force to be reckoned with in night city yes you can rise to the to the level of like glam rocker playing international stages yeah or or you know a, a fixer so powerful that you know no trade nobody buys a book of matches without you knowing about it in the city yeah and without you saying it's okay and and that's you the know? difference is like i look at Shadowrun setting and i say Shadowrun sits literally just a few years earlier yeah like yeah it, you didn't get above a certain point in Shadowrun. you were you were f you were a runner right maybe you could get by with some dollars maybe you could go out with some glory but that was about it here that the 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 tables have changed Mm -hmm. you know yeah the corpse now run a lot more but there's a lot less for them to run but see for for me the difference between the main difference between cyberpunk and shadowrun though is that shadowrun has that fantasy element that separates it from reality for me correct so you know you can you can say well yeah the world the world went to crap I'm like, okay, I can I can see that happening. It's a dystopian future. Well, no, it went it went to crap because there was this thing called UGE, unexplained genetic yep. expression, and orcs and elves suddenly became a thing and you're I mean, like, Oh, okay. Yeah, and then the great ghost dance happened and the Native Americans summoned a tornado that trashed Right. And you're like Okay, and now there's a dragon that yeah. owns a corporation and now yep. suddenly I don't feel so bad about the dystopian future. Right. Cyberpunk, but, I can kind of almost see happening. You know, no, one hundred percent. I agree that it is it is a gritty realism that makes sense. Why? Yeah, that's, that's why I feel worse about it. Yeah, you no. know. Well, and not only that, but like the way they like in in uh, in uh, uh, and I, I I'm gonna just do it again. In in one case, you have essence. So as you gain cyber, you know, cyberpunk, you lose your own, bo- you know, cyberware, you lose your body parts and lose essence and, and basically a bit of your, your, fle- your, your, your flesh goes away. So therefore, you no longer are really tied to this inner magic in your soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. Sure. You'll break down. There's some problems. In cyberpunk, you're not losing essence. You're losing humanity. You're losing your damn mind and then in that you're losing your mind you get psychosis all of this makes complete sense there are there are literally whole people who's their who their their job is to hunt down people who have broken their brains with how much cyberware they've put in yeah and succumb to cyber psychosis and they are of course these roided up monsters with super strength and monofilament whips hidden in their hands and but they're not just twitching because they don't have their nervous system anymore they're literally losing their minds and just going on rampages like monsters yeah and yeah. i think that right there again ties it back to a very gritty reality mm-hmm. and Honestly, I can see a lot of people like stepping away from that. Like they're not interested in that. That's too close to home. Yeah. Yeah. I think what changes it is the the rules. And I'm not saying the mechanics. 
I think that's what starts setting it to a heroic setting, a, a, a for lack of a better term, a rocker setting. Yeah, yeah. And because I it's, this is where you kind of get your glitz yeah, and your glam your, from. It's style over substance, mm-hmm. right? Attitude you, is everything. everything. Well, well I, I love style over substance because uh, it, it doesn't mean you have to do it right. It just means you have to say that you meant to do it. Yep. You know? Oh, we didn't finish the job? Yeah, I planned it that way. Mm-hmm. This is why. You know, you, you crashed your super expensive car into the front of that building. Yeah, but it looked awesome when I jumped out wielding well, those dual pistols, right? Attitude is everything. Attitude Never is everything. look at yeah. the explosion. Yep. Always put your glasses on and scream, you know? Uh, live on the edge. Be as fast, as hard, you know, have as much, you know, have the biggest car, have the fastest ride, have the biggest, you know, have the the most glamorous trench coat. You know, you go to the party, you push the you push the envelope as hard as you can, mm-hmm. you know, and then rule number four, break all the rules, <laughs> which I think is funny because it's it's not only saying that to like break the corporate rules, break the legal rules, break those things, but like societal rules, break all the societal rules. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, look, it's post-apocalyptic, essentially. Like, just do what you need to. Well, I think you it's know? post-post. Yeah. Like, we've we pushed past Mad Max. Mad Max finally came out of the desert to Night City. And and now Night City is here. Mm-hmm. And the, the wasteland is still right there. Like, he can see the wasteland, but he's like, I'm not going back out there. Some people have. That is their choice. Mm-hmm. But the others who have stayed have changed things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have taken that energy and i i think that's wonderful and the other the only thing i want to talk about this mechanic wise before i let you go on about the mechanics a bit yeah yeah is is within the mechanics or something called life paths yeah it's a uh, kind of a part of the part of the character creation system mm-hmm. um and uh i was really I, I was really intrigued by it because for me like cyberpunk is not my uh it's not my main genre you know, it's it's a it's a genre I find a little difficult to get into. Um, you know, we we all we all have those things. Some of us pl- some of us don't play space games. Some of us don't play horror games right. just because our imagination just doesn't jive with it. That right, well. right, right. Cyberpunk is one of those ones I find a little difficult to get into. And so, reading over the life path system, um, it's a set of connected charts essentially and yeah. random roll tables yep. that will take you through. Um, even if you're just picking things, mm-hmm. selecting them off instead of randomly rolling them, um, it will walk you through the life of your typical yeah. uh, cyberpunk character yeah. of, you know, what were, what were you know, did you grow up destitute? Did, were you a corporate, you know, uh, child born with a silver spoon in your mouth? There's a traveler aspect. There is, this. yes. And what it gives is it basically hands on a platter to the storyteller elements mm-hmm. so that there are automatic hooks into the story yes and i i love that i yes. love when a when a system of mechanics can give a storyteller and a player a place to connect mm-hmm. that is beyond the dice that are beyond the mechanics of how to fight or punch or or charm or something like that that actually puts the story back into the character the one the one that i loved was uh one of the questions is like who's your biggest enemy yeah and then the follow-up question is, what's going to happen when they show up? Yeah. And the answer was like, you know, guns blazing, or I, I go to ground, mm-hmm. or, you know, but things like that. But, you know, okay, yeah. so what's your relationship to this enemy? Are you just going to go into berserker rage if you see, you know, enemies from this certain gang or this certain corporation or something, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I I I loved I I loved looking at that, and it made me immediately go back to. This is one of those systems that I would love to take. That mm-hmm. I'd love to grab and shove into something else. The I... only the only thing that I didn't like about it mm-hmm. was that um, unlike Traveler or like BattleTech, yeah, um, the life path system doesn't come with any mechanical benefits or, or, or really any mechanical effects whatsoever. Other than the fact that it tells you essentially what your origin story is, right? Um, but there's never a place in there which goes, okay, well, you lived a life of hardship, so you get plus one body. Or you lived a life of privilege, so you get plus one willpower or something like that, you know? Right. Um, I, I'd have maybe liked to have seen something like that, a little bit of gameplay um, element taken from your upbringing to show that it influenced who you were. I, I can see where that would be like a natural thing, but my, to me, I don't think that that's the right angle. This life path is meant to be the role-playing aspect. Sure. It's meant to give you to give you as a player, even if you're selecting it, right? A a way of saying this is my connection with the story. I'm going to go through these steps because it's part of making my character. Mm-hmm. I don't have to get any benefits from this to make my character challenged or not challenged or have a love interest or have a hate interest or whatever as it goes through, but it gives me that connection to the story, and by not making it a mechanical connection, we are no longer min-maxing. That's So that's a fair point right there. So it removes the mechanical aspect of roleplay, and that's why I'm saying that this is an important thing that could be that should be added because to other Because at no other point games. are you looking at it and going, it would make sense if I grew up on the streets, but to get the plus one I need, I need to be a corporate exec. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. what I think starts to separate this system, even in its mechanics. Mm-hmm. to put it right back in the middle between roleplay and tactics. Yeah, okay. I'll agree with you on that one. Fair and it, point. it helps solidify that position and actually elevates it more into the roleplay aspect and story aspect, in my personal opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a pure It's a pure roleplay mechanic, right. the, whole, the whole life path thing. And I think it's brilliant from and start to finish. The other thing that I like about this is that the roles that are involved, not the roles, because uh, they're not classes, they are... Um, what are they they're, they're the to? roles. Yeah. Are, are they're considered roles? The uh, um, your the, your the, life the, roles. Yes. Um, those aren't uh aren't traditional classes. You're not you're not building a team to go on an adventure. These are people. They're just people. Granted, they have certain skills and things like that that fit within a certain story element. But we're again, we're stepping away from the classic I'm going into a dungeon or I'm going against a corporation or this is my gang. Mm-hmm. You could do those stories in this 100%, but that's not what the system is trying to tell you. Yeah. The yeah. system is trying to tell you we're making a story. Mm-hmm. The story is organic. You're going to have a cop working with an executive who's working with a medic who's also working with a, a rocker boy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a media guy. And you're like... What kind of job are you going to run on that? You're not running a job. Stop it. Yep. You're telling a story. Because guess what? You all live in the same apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's a different story. Exactly. <laughs> it's like three's, three's company with guns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's, again, it's it's the mechanics of the system are trying to tell you that this is not your traditional adventurer's game. Yes, exactly. But the mechanics keep telling you. Keep looking at them like, oh, but it's cyberpunk. That means it's got to be this way. And 
Screw well, the man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but see, and that's like looking over some of the modules and stuff that they've that they've put out too. They're right. they're all very heavily combat based, um, which I, I I agree with a lot of the reviews say that like I, they don't agree with it, and I I'm leaning with them. It is it should not be heavily combat based. It feels like there's a lot of mechanics here to allow you to manipulate the world in a lot of different ways that aren't combat. Um, and so, you know, I, I really don't want anybody to think of this as, as a tactical combat game. I think it does well as a tactical combat game. Oh, yeah. But I also think there, there's a lot of, like, as I was reading over the rules, especially, like, for things like reputation and stuff like that, I was I was reading over them going, like, wow, Rob is going to love this. No, I I like, I, I would honestly say, I, in many ways, I would love to tell a story in Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. but I have a fear that most of my players would turn it into Shadowrun. Yeah, I suppose that's maybe fair. They would their brains wouldn't necessarily be able to step away from that, you know, damn the man, save the planet as a bunch of as a bunch of runners. Yeah, yeah. I could I could see it. I could it's, see it. It's a challenge. It really is. It is. Um but you've gotta step away from that. And I, I think it can do that. So I've waxed poetic now about some of the, the lore and background and history and 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 theory of the game. Sarah, you've actually dug into the mechanics. All right, so character creation. Do it. Uh, character creation was actually really interesting to me because um, they actually split it into three different modes. It's essentially got an easy mode, a normal mode, and a hard mode. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I got, Just I, you something know, I don't think I've ever seen before. I, I I didn't understand it when I first heard someone explain that to me, and I was just like, "Excuse me, like yeah. like normally you're either a handed a pre-generated character with a few blanks, mm-hmm. right?" Or you're told this, you know, you have two methods, point by or roll. Yeah. And like that, that was your, that was it. So to hear someone be like, oh, no, 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 no. You get three fully different modes. One, templated, like we're used to. Yeah. Two, fast and dirty. Or go to the numbers. Or calculate. Calculate. Right. Go to the so numbers. They call it Street Rat, Edge Runner, and The Complete Package. Uh, I um, love the naming. Now, templated is not exactly as it sounds. Um, it's 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 not as templated as a pre-gen character. Right. I mean, pre-gen characters will always, always exist, but... And in um, the, even in the um, uh, quick start that they created, they had pre-gen characters, but there was still flexibility within the pre-gens. Yes, yes. So if you're going through the... the uh, in, in, as you're going through the character creation section of the, of the book... It gives you basically all three sets of rules mm-hmm. in the same place and says, okay, if you're doing a street rat, do it like this. If you're doing an edge runner, interpret the rules like this. And if you're doing the complete package, well, here's a whole separate page of rules for how you break down and you do these things meticulously. So a street rat templated play is basically it's going to show you a lot of different charts mm-hmm. and you're going to take like an in- – you're either going to randomly roll or with your with your storyteller's uh, permission, choose – a line on that chart. Yeah, one of the ten lines. It's either ten or seven. There, well, there are there are like or ten or ten, ten, uh, ten different attributes and stuff right. like that. So, like, it's literally like I take line number four, mm-hmm. and those across the board are my attributes, right? As as they are written. Mm-hmm. Um, like the edge runner version of that is I'm going to roll ten d ten, and I'm going to take each individual column as a separate roll, right? But I'm still going to roll randomly for them off of this chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if you do the complete package, if you do the calculated, then it's like, okay, here's, you get this many points, 
point by here's your minimums here's your maximums right um go to town and you can meticulously go over your character with a fine tooth comb right basically what it comes down to is the street rat is there for like either you don't know what you're doing enough to know what's good mm-hmm. um or you want to get into the action very quickly yeah, it's time time to put some characters to the sheets. Complete package is there for people who do meticulously want to spend four hours piecing together a character mm-hmm. and going through every last accounting of where every last little point and where every last little euro buck goes. Um, and Edge Runner is honestly for those right in the middle. Uh, and I think it's great that they offer all three of these um, all three of these options for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, there's no there's no reason why you know if you've made three complete package characters, you can't just use a street rat on your next one and just be like, hey, look, the the the, the template for this rocker boy is actually very competent, so I'll just bump 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 bump, and mm-hmm. boom, I got a rocker boy. Yep, yep, yeah. Um, and then you've got the roles like character classes that define who you are today. Yes, and that's that's what I like. That was another thing that got me was, is that this is you at this moment in time. You could become something else after this. And that's a key component to the way that the story evolves and that your character evolves is that you have these different types. You have rocker boys, solos, net runners, techs, med techs, medias, execs, lawmen, fixers, and nomad. Each one kind of fits a type, you know, from bards and fighters and mechanics and healers. Um, but as you evolve through them, or or even if you just have the points to do it, you can say, I started out as a, uh, as a media, mm-hmm. right? Where I was... I was an information dealer. I, you know, I, I had a camera system or a recorder of some kind and I was streaming like, like we are technically medias right now. Right. And we're, we're getting out information and I'm digging deep to find about corp stuff and what's going on and the corruption in the city. Sure. But it doesn't mean that after so many years of doing this and maybe enough points and everything that I have that I can't just suddenly flip that over to a rocker boy. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I suddenly become like I start a, a, a band follows up behind me and now I'm like this beat poet. Yeah. You roll, you roll straight from the, the fame you earned as a media mm-hmm. into using that as your own platform to broadcast your own stuff. Now suddenly you're a well-known rocker boy. Yeah. Or, and I, the, the thing about the roles is it's basically what looks like you said, what you're known to be doing today. So people will look at you and identify you as a rocker boy. They're not going to be like, Oh, you're also, even if it's a higher level, even if you've got a higher right. rank in, in media, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that guy who used to be a media. Now he's a now he's a rocker boy. He's a, right. he's a baby rocker boy. Right. A rocker baby, if you will. Right. And what's interesting is the way the game uh, allows you to continue your, like, you still have what you did as a media, but that's not what you are today. Exactly. That's not what people know yeah. you so as. So you still have access to those skills, but it's not going to be the job that, the, the, the job they call you by. Correct. Correct. And and I like that aspect. I like that being able to trolls where it's like, yeah, I took a you know, I took two levels of wizard and but I also and but I'm six levels into fighter. Mm-hmm. Oh, well what are you then? Well You're a battle mage, I guess. You know No. Yeah, no. exactly. This literally says this is your role and what society knows you as. And that's what I think is neat. It's a skill set that sits you into a position of 
of societal appearance. And that's a huge thing about this game is the way society looks at you. Yes. And that whole connection between you and humanity and societal view, I think, is super important about this game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and now, the the thing about uh, these mechanically, then, um, is that your role will also uh, kind of denote certain special abilities upon you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your uh, you have a rank in mm-hmm. your uh, in your 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 role, uh, which will go up to a maximum of ten during gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, as I'm looking over this, I actually realized that I did all this studying, and I don't think I ever looked at what their XP system was like. I think it's not nearly as relevant to 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 get the, through the system. But sure, could, sure, sure. I can see where you say like you're like I'm like I don't know how you go up ranks in your <laughs> in your role. I I don't think I got right. that far in the rule book. We're, we were kind of cramming for finals. It's we been did. a busy work week for both of us. So. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you start with four, with four ranks mm-hmm. out of ten in your starting role. Okay. Um, and so you already start pretty pretty competent. Yeah. Not not great. Yeah. But 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 competent enough to to get your job done mm-hmm. and be recognized as decent enough in your role to be respected in it. Yeah, and when you buy your next role, you have to have enough points to buy into it, Correct. aka to acknowledge that you're a part of that role, and it's something you must work with your storyteller on. Right, and you don't have to multi-class. You don't. No, the, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. So I, we don't. I, we're doing a lot of talking about you know switching roles here, but you don't absolutely have to have to do that. You can just take your role and be a net runner all of your life and be mm-hmm. the best darn net runner out there. Yeah. Hit rank ten and just just cut you know cut things up. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, uh, your your rank in your class is it's kind of interesting actually because they're not as well defined classes as something like Dungeons and Dragons, which is mm-hmm. like this is what you do, these are the things you can do, and this is how you do them. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is stopping my netrunner from grabbing a sniper rifle and just perching on a rooftop with it. Mm-hmm. If I've got a good enough you know uh, uh, skill roll for that. I can absolutely do that. No, I don't know if that that's the best way I'm going to be using my talents, but there's nothing stopping me from doing that. At its core, they're very flexible, but what being a net runner does for me is gives me access to uh, interface skills and allows me to basically do all the net runner stuff, which are basically like the deckers in in uh, uh, in Shadowrun. You know, um, solos, which are basically your like your street samurai, mm-hmm. your bodyguards, your 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 toughs, basically your fighter class. Yeah, um, actually have a number of abilities um, uh, to them with having to do with like damage reduction mm-hmm. or increased hit numbers or dealing uh, increased damage because they're able to find weak spots on mm-hmm. the things they're they're trying to damage, and you can move your points around mm-hmm. either freely out of combat or as an action during combat to reallocate what bonuses you're getting. Oh, change your style, change your movement. Yes. Interesting. You could realize that the giant battle mech security droid thing you're fighting that the corporation unleashed on you has like a really high armor rating or something like that. Right. And you're like, okay, you know what? I I'm not having any trouble hitting it. I don't need to hit bonuses right now. Because I'm a because I'm a rank seven solo, I've got seven points I can allocate to various combat bonuses. I'm gonna as an action take a moment to reassess, shift my tactics, and all of seven of those points are going now into armor piercing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just something you can do as a solo. 
That's cool. I, I like that that shift. That's that it's and it's. I think that's the thing about the roles is that that ability is unique to the role. Yes, it, and it, yes, and it allows like the. I think it's the um, it's the rocker who where it's charisma based. Yes, and the rocker boy is very thing. charisma based. The media is also heavily yes. charisma based. Yeah, it almost feels like there's two for each uh, of the like. I would say stats, but stats isn't even accurate because there are 10 stats in this game, which feels like a ton. It feels like it's almost too many to me, but at the same time, like I like some of the, the, the additional stats, like you've got your intelligence, your dexterity, your willpower, Uh your, your, you know, tech, which I guess is kind of intelligence, you know, reflexes is on top of decks. So it's different. Like, one is basically your speed, and the other is your agility. So I I, I like this split. Mm-hmm. Um, during my research, I did look a little bit into friend of the show Seth Skorkowski. Of course, uh, talked a little bit about the uh, the the beginner's box, mm-hmm. and um, he also really liked this split uh, for the for the reason that a lot of game systems will lump dexterity in, uh, basically as as one big stat. Yeah, and yeah. it will determine like your movement speed and your armor class because mm-hmm. it figures in dodging and it will your to hit rolls and your initiative and it becomes this gigantic god stat no i agree like you can dump other stats but is if your dex is high you, you can do a lot more and this kind of breaks that up a little bit and says like yeah you're you if your reflexes aren't good enough you're not gonna see the hit coming you're not gonna be able to get the chance to dodge it and that's what i think is neat is then your your dexterity is can you move out of the way of it Mm -hmm. and that's neat that's like it really does break it down and again your movement is separate to that yes yes you know exactly and and i i think that's kind of a cool concept because it brings you back to the Everyone is different and unique Mm -hmm. in their build you're never gonna see like all fighters are very broody and yeah. all, all you know, uh, people who use, you know, who have dexterity are just really fast. Yes. You know. Yes, exactly. Like, okay. So it breaks down a little more granular, but and it, I, I don't think it's bad because every one of their, I think the rest of the gameplay is so um, relatively easy to grasp mm-hmm. that I don't mind having 10 stats, you know. Yeah. Uh, you got cool willpower, uh, luck. Luck becomes, luck is a stat, but yes. it's also a pool. Yes. Of points that you can spend basically one-to-one to gain bonuses on your die rolls. Mm-hmm. Refills at the beginning of every game session. Which is great. So it's an out-of-character bonus sort of thing. Right. Um, movement, body, and empathy. empathy. Uh, which I thought was was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, I like that it's cool and not charisma. You get a couple <laughs> uh, couple derived drive stats. Right. Uh, you got your uh, your hit, hit points is derived by... It's a, a chart. Yes. And if I've got one gripe with this game, it's its prevalence of charts. It does have a lot of charts. Um, is that your HP is calculated calculated by cross-referencing where your body and your will stats are mm-hmm. and referencing a chart. And it's not as simple as, like, multiply them together and divide by two or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, like... Unique. It's unique to those values. There, right. there didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to... Uh, where they were other than higher values gave you more hit points. Yeah, it, it it's a it is a oddly it is a non-derived number. Yeah. 
It's yeah. a progressed number set. Uh, and then you've got a humanity score, mm-hmm. which is another thing. We, we kind of talked a little bit about cyberpsychosis earlier, and this is kind of where the, the main things come into. Humanity kind of acts a little bit like essence in Shadowrun meets sanity from Call of Cthulhu. Um, so you lose humanity when you install cyberware, um, when you install most cyberware, medical mods and stuff like that. And I thought as a transgender person, it was very nice of them to include that, uh, modifying your body, um, for like gender affirming surgeries and such like that does not hit your humanity. Correct. Because it makes you happy. Yes. It makes you more human. Yes. So, yes. um, those don't, but things like I'm going to replace my arm with a pneumatic hammer. No. With a rifle in it. Mm-hmm. That, that, that hits your humanity. Right. Um, because you're becoming more machine, and that's not a human replacement. Or if you're becoming superhuman. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, well, I have legs that allow me to jump two stories straight up. Mm-hmm. I guess that's not human anymore. Well, superhuman is not human, yep. That's right. Uh, so those will, hit your, those will hit your humanity score. And then also, like, witnessing horrific acts mm-hmm. will also lower humanity. So what they say is usually, like people will cyber themselves out to the verge of cyberpsychosis. It's usually something completely unrelated that pushes them over the edge. Yeah. Something makes them snap because mm-hmm. they'll witness a friend get gunned down or something like that. And it just, yeah, there was, there was a really interesting uh, write up that a guy did about, uh, he had a group that were uh, police officers and media who were investigating uh, a series of of murders just on the fringe of of Night City mm-hmm. uh, at these uh, warehouses, mm-hmm. and they were trying to figure out what was going on, and uh, they eventually uncovered the fact that a corp had basically taken a bunch of of uh, you know outside raiders from far away, brought them in, effectively did a mind wipe on them, cybered them out as. Uh, defensive drones, mm-hmm. if you will, you know, but still had them as meat so that they could, you know, take care of them and, and figure things out and, and get them better programmed than just computers. Sure. Uh, and be a little less virus related. Um, and unfortunately, uh, their group, their raiding group, was a traveling group, attempted to raid the facility they were at. Mm-hmm. One of them killed someone they knew. Which set in motion their psychosis, oh, which w- went through all of them because yeah. eventually they were fighting each other, and so you end up realizing oh, that just this like is dominoes exactly, yeah. and it's it, it becomes this huge turf war. But you realize it's not a turf war, and then you realize that these guys are working with the raiders now, mm-hmm. but they're also losing their mind, and it's it's a huge, you know, empathy strike at the same time. Yeah, you know, yeah, pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, so really when it comes down to it though, um, so you've got, uh, you've got these 10 stats, you've got a number of skills. There's a, uh, again, very reminiscent of Traveler. Yes. I think there was more skills than I personally was comfortable with, but less skills than like Palladium. Well, (laughs) you know, but the other thing is, is that you can, anyone can try the skill. Yeah. There's no penalty to that. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, that the, uh, that they were saying in the quick start, uh, really makes a problem, makes it problematic is, is that the quick start doesn't show you all the skills. Yeah. And some players think that they just can't do things Mm -hmm. because it's, they're not quote unquote proficient in it or their character wouldn't know it. It doesn't mean you can't try it. Right. right, The only thing you can't try is net running, but. That's or, just mostly because you don't know. You don't have. You, you literally don't yet. have the port in your head. Yeah, kind yeah, of thing, yeah. So, uh, but basically, your your resolution um, when it comes down to it is uh, very simple: it's stat plus skill plus a d10. Yeah. 
and, and that's it. You're just going towards a uh, towards a target number, what they call diff- difficult value or a DV. Right, right. Um, and uh, so this will this will range anywhere from like you know low teens to uh, as much as like thirty is a legendary task that you're. But they do you give know. you examples of of what they are, and yeah. then they also give you like what the detriments that can like affect it. Absolutely. So uh, of of what might reduce your ability to do it mm-hmm. uh, versus making it more difficult. Sure, I, I, ideal situations or or you know uh, adverse situations or something yeah. like that as well. Um, there's uh, critical success and critical failures. So mm-hmm. on that D10, since that's the, the die you're rolling for all these, um, if you roll a 10, uh, it explodes once. Okay. Uh, so it's a critical success. You'll get the 10, and then you'll roll it one more time and add that value. Okay. Um, it is the exact opposite for a critical failure. If you roll a 1, it explodes once. You roll it again and subtract that value. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. So you can still actually critically fail, and if you've got enough points and the, the difficulty, difficulty value is low enough, you can still succeed mm-hmm. with a little luck. In fact, you almost want that second die to come up a 1 because... Then you're only subtracting one from your roll, right? You know, versus it just being a horrific thing. Like, how bad was it? Exactly. And the other thing that uh, that is that concept is is that if you roll a one and you still succeed, maybe, maybe it only removes two points from it, but you still succeed. It adds flavor sure. because now you can say like, okay, well, what happened? How did you fail this? <laughs> it's, a, it's that moment where like you accidentally knock something over and like you reach down, you catch it real quick, and you're like, oh god, okay. Nothing bad happened. You're right, and you set it back. <laughs> this is on the... still not a good situation, and I'm still embarrassed as heck. Yeah, but nothing bad happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then combat steps into that in again the same kind of ease. Yeah. It's not. It's not a challenging step. It's it's a d10 plus your reflex to start for initiative. Yep. yep. Again, most common. Um, very familiar. One move plus one action on your turn. Makes sense. Um, so it's basically like D&D without the bonus actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then pretty much everything you're doing in combat is also a stat plus a skill plus a D10. Versus a target number. Yeah, so or a pose know, roll. It, it might be my dexterity plus my pistols mm-hmm. plus a D10 to fire my pistol and see if I hit you. Right. And then there's the 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 challenge becomes a chart effectively for anything that's ranged uh related for, yeah for firearms and things like that the, the base to hit values are all done on a chart and this is one thing i i, I both liked and didn't mm-hmm. um in that uh it's not an easily recognizable um set of numbers right you know like i we were talking about at dinner i was like uh i i, I said your wife i was like vicky what's what's your base target number in savage worlds and she goes four I go, and for what, what role? I don't know. All of them? No. Exactly. Right. See, we're not even playing. You've played literally one game of Savage Worlds in your entire life, and you know that off the top of your head. Right. Quickly. Right. What, um, what's the to hit number for pistols at uh, 30 meters range? Right. What is it versus 10 meters range? Right. E- exactly. There's a chart you have to reference. The chart makes sense mm-hmm. from a realism standpoint. Pistols are easy to hit with up front. But quickly fall off with distance. Right. Assault rifles difficult to hit with up front, difficult to hit with at extreme ranges. But the middle ground is really where they excel. Right. Their their target numbers actually are shaped like a U. Right. High, low, high. Sniper rifles do the exact opposite. 
real bitch to hit with up close. Mm-hmm. But if you're at 200 meters, I can put one, you know, put one yeah. in between your eyes. Exactly, exactly. But and... I won't know any of those without the chart. Right, but the the good part about it is is that it is just the chart. Correct. Yes. You know, the, we are not dealing with the same level of challenges that we are accustomed to with something like Shadowrun, where it's, okay, here's my to hit number, plus this, plus this, minus this, plus this, minus this, minus this, plus this. And that's an opposed roll, because my opponent will be also trying to dodge, which is going to be a roll of this, plus this, minus this, plus this, minus this. So your number of dice is going to be challenging my number of dice. And then once we hit that, we have to roll that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, it, we making it a little more complicated, but that's really not any more complicated than it actually is. hugely any more complicated. You know, it, but realistically, looking at the way this goes, it is still not nearly as even crunchy as D&D when you're dealing with some of the target numbers. When yeah. you're dealing with things like AC with spells, with, you know, uh, bonuses, with 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 detriments, it's it falls right in line with that. It just gives you a chart to start the process. Exactly. And and especially since you're using the same the same type of skill rolls as you're using for everything else, whereas something like Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, combat goes by completely different mechanics than every other thing in the game does. Right. You know, that's that's one of the detriments that it has is that if you tried to if you went through and charted out D&D, it would be ridiculous. Mhm but realistically would make way more sense to do. Mm-hmm. But you'd be charting all kinds of stuff because yeah. every weapon is different. There's reach, there's, you know, ranges, there's short, medium, and long range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classes change whether or not it is in range. Your size changes whether or not it's in, you know. So you look back at that and you go, oh, so the charts actually prove that this is simpler. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the weird part about it. Yeah, like, well. we're again, we're coming from Palladium where charts mean charts mean charts. And this basically just says charts make it easier. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. the difference. Exactly. There's a, there's a certain aspect to that. Um, yeah. The one thing I did like, though, was that uh, basically weapon types have damage values. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with, 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 the, with the ranges, too, honestly. Um, yeah. It, really, they don't make a lot of difference between, you know, like heavy pistols is just a category of weapon. Mm-hmm. They have a range that they follow. Mm-hmm. They have a damage value that they have. Yep. And that's it. Yep. Like, there's no difference between this heavy pistol and that heavy pistol. Are they a heavy pistol? Yes. Here are the rules for them. Right. Um, and that slims things down, speeds things up. Yeah. Uh, all your damage is done in D6s. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you roll any two dice, no matter how many d6s are hitting the table, if two of them or more come up on a six, you have a critical injury. Mm-hmm. And those can get bad. Yeah. Real fast. Uh, real fast. Um, so the one thing you have to remember is that this game is very, very lethal. The, your average hit points... This is a lot like when we talked about Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. You have a... It's like, okay, 30 hit points. Cool. Is that a lot? Mm, depends. Yeah. <laughs> are yes you, and no. Are you tanking a stun gun? Sure. Are you tanking a rocket? No. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Two two assault rifle bursts will put down a character. Absolutely. Without question. I mean, one assault rifle burst if if they if they roll high. Well, I mean, if if I have an armored vest, maybe I'll be okay. Maybe. 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 Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's actually a pretty lethal system. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also kind of a, it's, it's a very, it's a very light 
death spiral mechanic. Yeah. But there is a death spiral mechanic where yes. uh, once you are less than half your hit points, minus two to all actions. Yeah. Uh, once you hit zero hit points, it becomes very bad for you very quick. Yeah. Um, armor is uh, not by location specific, if I remember correctly. It's not like... Kind of and kind of not. It's a, it's location it's specific in, 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 in the same way that like Savage Worlds is, where it's right. like your legs are armored. It's not as granular as like foot, shin, thigh. Right. Right leg, left leg. But right. it's like torso, head are right. important locations. You know? Right. And I, I think that helps. I think that helps versus just saying I'm wearing heavy armor. Yeah. But you can see my face, but I still have armor on my face. Mm-hmm. No. Um, it acts as uh, damage reduction, mm-hmm. so it'll just straight up strip damage off of uh, any incoming attacks. Um, uh, melee uh, weapons are actually kind of valuable in that because they ignore half of the target's armor. That's nice. Uh, so getting in close with a sword on an armored target can actually be of great benefit to you. Um, and then, of course, there's a whole section of martial arts um, versus brawling. There's martial arts skill. Um, there's like four different, I think, uh, martial arts styles you can use, and those give you some certain techniques. Uh, bringing back the Palladium martial arts. Yeah. Um, and I, like I think that. it's, I think it's just, just detailed enough, gives you some cool maneuvers you can do that are more than just what brawling will do for you. That's fun. I don't, I mean, I like when systems do that cause it adds flavor to it. Yeah. Um, but like when I was reading about it, I was thinking like. I don't think it was necessary. Like I think it, I think it pushed it a little too far into into the let's get a little specific. You know, like if all my guns are just three categories of uh, effectively of weapons, uh-huh. you know, why do I need multiple martial arts? Well, there's only four martial arts styles. Right. One, it's like basically like. Uh, defensive, offensive, balanced, and I don't know, something else. I, I didn't really look over them all that much. I more right. or less took... I was, I was trying to learn them very quickly, so... Right. Um, but I, I did know, like, Aikido and Judo were, you know, two of them. So right. maybe it's, like, one's grappling and then one's, like, striking and one's, you know, defensive sort of stuff. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's as detailed as it needed to be. Like they Without didn't... going too far. Yeah, like... Okay. There's this isn't ninjas and super spies where you oh, have Lord. 110 different martial arts styles in that book. Right. This is like four of them to give you some options, and here's a couple extra maneuvers, and that's as deep as we're going, buddy. You that's know fair. judo. Congratulations. <laughs> I know kung fu. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's combat, basically in a nutshell. Okay. Um, there's a reputation system, which I love. You know, I like reputation I, systems. I know you love reputation systems, uh, and it's it's kind of fun actually. Mm-hmm. Um, in that it's a little, it's a little fast and loose. Yeah. Uh, so it's on a 10 scale. Mm-hmm. You start at zero. Right. Um, because you're, you're an unknown on the streets of Night City when yep. you first start the game. Do something noteworthy. Doesn't I don't know matter. if that's good or bad. Yeah. You can, they they both serve as reputation Correct. to you. Correct. Whether you're a saint or a sinner, do something noteworthy and it will get you noticed and that gets you rep. Yep. Um, Anytime you meet a new NPC of note, you roll a D10. And if it is at or below your current rep, they've heard of you. Yep. And again, I don't know what you're what they've heard of you for. What did you do to earn that rep? Toilet girl. <laughs> yeah, toilet seat girl, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um and again, even if you did something horrible, 
chances are there's someone out there that's glad you did that horrible thing to whoever you did it to. Right. You know? And or who is very angry that you did that nice thing for that Exce- other person. How could you support them? You know? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, whether... Whether your good deed or your bad deed that got you noticed is a good thing or a bad thing is not a universal truth. Yeah, this is another one of those things that I really like that they threw in the game, and I would love to see this ported in other systems. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's a very simple mechanic to add to change that moment that you meet an NPC that's new. Yep. And I mean, doing this in D&D is a great idea. Oh, I think so, yeah. You could easily tear this right out of the system and throw it into your D&D game, and just, everybody starts at a zero the moment they start. They do things, they start going up from there, and you just make notes in a little journal of what they've done. And then roll and be like, oh, they love killing goblins. This guy has goblin problems. These guys are on my A-list. Hey, there's a guy who killed a bunch of goblins the other day. Hey, everybody, this is the Goblin Slayer Kid. You know, suddenly it's a thing. You know, and that right there, again... It's another point of investment Mm -hmm. that puts the player back into the game. Exactly. And then you've got face downs. Which is the other aspect that I think is fantastic. Oh, yeah. So you can stop combat sometimes before it ever begins by facing down your opponent. It's a way to kind of weaponize your reputation. Yep. Um, So everybody makes a cool plus reputation plus D10 roll. Mm -hmm. Um, And the loser can either back down from the combat mm-hmm. that may, may be about to break out, or if they insist on pushing, they're going to take minus two to all future actions versus this opponent until they've defeated them once. Mm-hmm. Essentially, if you bloody your opponent's nose, you realize they do bleed like everybody else. They're not so scary now. Yeah, I, the negative two is a neat like concept. It's not like... It's not a heavy thing. It's not crippling, but it's significant. It's it's enough to push you back. It's it's that when the two ninjas are blade to blade. Yeah. You know, and one's pushing a little harder and then he just reminds him like that flash in his memory of like his, you know, his best friend getting murdered by this guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, pushes his blade back just a little bit. It's that 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 moment, you know. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. I'm like, are you sure you guys want to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. No, you know what? We're cool. We're cool. That's what we're I cool. thought. That's what we're cool. That's what yep. I thought. Mine says 0. .50. Yes. <laughs> Does it equal 0. .50? Now, go away. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Uh, all right. So, uh, net running. Do we? Do we? Do we want to open this Pandora's box? I I kind of do because I really liked the system for it. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over it very quickly. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna define tooth comb with this. Alright, so net runners, their special ability, yes. their their role ability is the ability to net run. Period. That's by the way, not the internet. The internet is gone. gone. <laughs> yeah. We if for those of you who are Battlestar Galactica fans, that's effectively the kind of net we're yeah, talking about. <laughs> we are everything is a local area network. Everything's yeah. a land now. Yeah, because you don't want to jack into the actual net. Well, yeah, I don't even think the actual net is there because the war has destroyed most of the infrastructure that kept it up. Correct. But it's also crawling with, like, uh, homicidal cyber viruses. Correct. That That have mutated and changed so many times over. Awful, horrible things out there. So Black ice to a degree that you don't want to think about. Basically, you only ever want to hop on the net if you need to. Right. Uh, And that's what Netrunner specializes in doing. Um, so I, I, 
I read over the rules for it, and it's very cool and left me very inspired mm-hmm. to to work with this. Um, it's almost its its own game system. It's way too much to review without just skimming over it here. But um, basically, uh, netrunners are have access to multiple interface actions depending on their netrunner rank. Mm-hmm. Okay, so every combat turn you're getting one action to fire your pistol. Mm-hmm. I'm getting four Netrunner actions mm-hmm. <laughs> to manipulate the computer system here because that's just how fast it runs, right. you know? Right. Um, so you can do things like, you know, jack in, um, delve deeper. Uh, it, it's a lot like dungeon crawling. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like jacking in, enter the dungeon, delve deeper, pick locks. Mm-hmm. passwords fighting or evading monsters like your intrusion countermeasures your black ice mm-hmm. stealing treasures like files mm-hmm. um you can do things like uh, uh one of the big things is like access points mm-hmm. so on the local network here in this corporate building might have their uh, electronic locks it might have access to their cameras mm-hmm. it might even have some security turrets built into the ceiling if they're really tight on security here fire suppression systems conveyor belts i may be able to hack in there beat up some ice or maybe just slip past them or something like that Mm -hmm. get access to those turrets and turn them on the corporate security Mm -hmm. totally flip the front foe yeah exactly um and so it's very cool there's and there's that there's an there's a system for it too of uh how net combat works Mm -hmm. Um, there's stats for the Black Ice, which basically works as almost like a mini monster manual. Honestly, conceptualizing it as mini dungeons, yeah, really helps. No, it it makes it a lot easier every time I've looked at it. Uh, but there's there's a whole there's a whole system in there too about how the architect, how to as as a storyteller, how to create these dungeons essentially, mm-hmm. how to create these these networks, how to populate them with interesting things, and you know, make them significant to the setting that you're in so that uh, your Netrunner feels like they can interact in a meaningful way. Yeah. Uh, I saw someone who created a a quick board uh, that they would populate with carts so that they would see a dungeon board as it laid out for the Netrunner. And I thought that was a great way of doing it because it's easy to lose track of where you're at and where you're going. As I was reading, I was thinking about doing exactly that. How would I, how would I make like little cards as little nodes? Yeah. The one that I saw that I thought was really cool was, um, do you remember though? I can't remember the name of the game that it used to come in, but you had these little slide windows. It was a giant square and you had little slide windows that you would open and close within it. Uh, And it was, it was kind of a memory game of some kind. Uh, It sounds so, Sounds vaguely familiar. I know well, what you're talking about. Someone yeah. took basically that concept mm-hmm. and turned it into a netrunner board that was basically uh, eight by eight. Mm. Was a was the standard grid, and you'd come in at you, you could pick which access point you wanted. You're like you have this access point or this one today, and the guy just put a card in at the beginning of the game. And uh, when yeah, they yeah. get there, like here you go, here's your two access points. Yeah, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna enter here. Slide that you slide that window down and. That was what was there. That's that's awesome. And I was like, okay, Absolutely that is awesome. that is really cool. But you'd also see little dashes to know which way you could go next. Uh, so Knox in the Box is asking in the live chat here, he says, uh, so Netrunner does kind of a solo combatish encounter? Yes and no. Um, so your Netrunner is going to be the only person able to see and interact with um, with the net in that in that area. Or the Netrunners. Or other Netrunners, exactly. Correct. 
Um, however, uh, mostly because of these access points and stuff like that, and because the think of it like a local area network. Again, don't think of it as the as the internet. Think of it like a building, right? Having all of its own stuff running on a network that's computerized and run all together. Now that network doesn't extend outside of the building, but it like may- said, things like locks, cameras. Um, security turrets, right? Things like that will all be controlled by maybe their main computer, right? The netrunner is going to be interacting with that, but it's not necessarily a solo combat encounter because unlocking the doors for your gun bunnies, right? You know, is going to be a very valuable thing. Turning the turrets on the enemy security forces is going to be a valuable thing, right? And so it's often in in tandem with the events that are going on in the tactical sense outside of the net. Um, and that was something that was big within the new version of Shadowrun as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and making it more like you're still there. You're not 100% in a different world. And I think that's the other thing is that uh, you, you've just got an AR display that's up. So AR, for, AR is augmented reality. Yeah, so you could basically have, you know, your hand on your hip at your gun and when, like, you know, you're you're jacked into the room, the other guys have moved out of the room, maybe there's one guy covering you, if someone comes in the door, you can make your action, I shoot the guy at yeah, the door. Yeah, you can still see him, you can still fire on him. Now, yeah. mind you, that's your action for the turn, you're right. not going to get your four Netrunner actions. Right. But... That's a legitimate thing. But that's a legitimate thing, absolutely. You're still, you're still there, you're still conscious, and so you're still yeah. part of the scene, you're just manipulating it in a different way than... Everybody else is manipulating. Right. And sometimes if you want to keep it from being a net running combat game, which I think is is kind of cool, is that a lot of times uh, the places that you're going are not super high tech security. They are they're lockdown facilities that are either old or or there's a lot more physical security because digital security is expensive yeah. and meat security is yeah. cheap. So you may get in there and it may be hard to get to the data vault. But when you get in there, you jack in and it's four steps from you getting the files. Yes. Like yes. literally the guy does his one turn. Now, granted, you're fighting off meat security at the same time as he's doing. He's trying to get his chance to do his job <laughs> effectively is what's going on. <laughs> it's like on. breaking into a bank surrounded by, you know, thir- 30 different armed guards. And when you get in there, you realize the vault is just a greasy Burger King bag with some money in it. You know? <laughs> like, kind of, but more like, hey, I'd really like to pick this lock, but I'm still shooting my gun. Can you guys cover me for like one or two turns? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, just so I can get that job done. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's really where that kind of sits. Uh, the idea of derezzing, you know, you're not dead, but you are out. Yes, like you are no yes. longer connected to reality. And, in the and same your way. programs can be attacked and stuff like that yeah. too to derez them as well. Your your programs kind of have their own hit point pool essentially. So it's yeah. Um, it's it's again. I'm going to kind of skip over it because there's a lot mm-hmm. there. But suffice to say, it's if if you if you think about it conceptually a little bit like dungeon running in mm-hmm. uh, you know running a little mini dungeon mm-hmm. um, where your your intrusion countermeasures or your other net runners or you know other programs and stuff that are almost like monsters mm-hmm. that you have to defeat to get further in the dungeon to do the things you want to do. That's basically net running. Yep. Yep. But you know, in a computer. Yeah. All uh, right. Closing thoughts. So this is what got me about mm-hmm. this whole system is when we first started looking at it and I started getting into the delve of it there, I had this uneasy feeling that I liked it and I didn't like it at the same time. Sure. And I couldn't put my finger on what it was about the system that bugged me. Um, or that I liked about it. I, it always felt like it was light, like it sat in the middle. 
in just an odd way in the middle between gritty, tactical, you know, good stuff, and a very light uh, skill-based RP game, okay. you know? But I think that's why I have a hard time with it is because my brain is pulled in both directions. I'm expecting it to be one or the other. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. But the more that I talk about it, the more that I look at the system, the more that I look at the the overall handling of it, I feel that it is a, a system steeped in a mechanic system designed to press you into role play. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to give you all the technical things you need to shove you toward role-playing. Like, but I'm not going to take, I'm not going to remove your tactical aspects. I'm just not going to shove it into a tactical game. I'm not going to make your roles point you to being a numbers jockey where every hit point and every bullet counts. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to tell you that that's the system. I'm I'm going to tell you this is a hard world and you're a hero. Mm-hmm. You know, you're changing the world, but you are really cool about doing it. <laughs> you know, you your style means everything and how you're going to be able to accomplish this. Right. Because right. that's really all that matters. Money's gone. Money's just a side thing. Fame, glory gets you to the real goal, which is humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I like about it. That's is that it. It gives it when you really look at the system, if you remove all the things that you say that it should be doing like X or should be more like Y, you know, and I'm talking about systems, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that Cyberpunk Red does really well is that it lets you say it is not those things. It is a role playing game. It is telling stories. And I think that's really cool. I think that's where it comes into as far as the mechanics and stuff come into my mind yeah well hell that's a much better answer than i was gonna give (laughs) (laughs) uh so things things it does really well for me um uh especially reading over the rule book like half that half that rule book is world building i love that um even in the section that was that was uh in the rules there was quite a bit of world building yeah and showing why the rules were there and what they represented and such like that yeah the artwork was amazing it is um, the, the artwork has always been amazing for cyberpunk it's, it, it's a look and a feel that you can't get past it's it's difficult to go five pages in this book without feeling cyberpunk yeah you know you know um, like you want something on you augmented suddenly <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh uh the system, I think, like you said, it kind of feels like it has a lot going on. I think, but the mechanics are all very simple. So you're, I, I, I don't think you know. You may, you may be at a loss for like what chart you should be looking at, or you may be at a loss for um, what stat goes with what skill momentarily. But you'll never be at a loss for what you should be rolling. Well, and the other thing that I like about the book itself is that. You are never at a loss for where that information is. Yes. That's the yes. one thing that I like about this is whereas every other system, you may be going into sub chapters to find the specific thing for X mm-hmm. or, or some kind of errata discussion that, you know, discuss, discusses grapple because it's in this mechanic over here. Yes. You don't have that problem with this yes. system. Yes, agree. This system puts you right to where you need it. And if it's not there, then it's not the rule. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's fantastic. Uh, what nitpicks did you have with the system? I got a few. I, I have a few in my head. Um, I would agree with one thing, and that is is that um, I could is that 
it is easy for you to want to add to this system because you feel that it is incomplete. And that's that can be problematic. Like, it doesn't have X mechanic, so I'm going to add it. And the moment you've added it, it's different. The yeah. system becomes tactical. Mm-hmm. You know? Or something to that regard. And that is the one thing about it is it is different. It is so it is intrinsically different than any other system, but not so much that it's not recognizable. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it it's easy to, to step in and make mistakes. Okay. I actually could agree with that. Um, I would say probably one of my biggest gripes is, uh, is, is that there are, there are a number of charts. Some mm-hmm. of them are necessary. Some of them are not. A lot of them are in the character creation section. And, I, yeah. and, and, and that's fine. You only ever see those charts once. But, right. like, um, again, I kind of keep coming back to that weapon range chart and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah. it, it feels it feels like it could have been more streamlined. Like, you could have at least just told me, like, certain range increments and give it, like, a plus one, minus one, plus right. one again or something like that, you know. But, I mean, I think in the same regard, like, if you really took this entire if if you took all of the mechanics of the system and put it in a chart in front of you like a like a standard DM screen, mm-hmm. I don't think you'd fill it. Uh, right, but as a player though, that's the problem. That's that is, is, is the key. those those rules being accessible to the player, not mm-hmm. the storyteller. Yeah, again, you're you're back to is this a battle tech? I need every player needs a eight and a half by eleven two sided sheet sheet, yep. and the answer is yep. probably yes. Honestly, that's not a lot to ask. At the same time, it's still you need it. Yeah, and I, I think, too, like, you know, uh, I mean, typically you're only going to be firing one type of weapon, so you're only going to need to know one set of ranges. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you just have that chart sitting in front of you on a 3 by 5 card, you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's easy that's enough. Um, one of the other gri- <laughs> kind of grapes I had. I saw this on there. Was I, I felt like I needed a translator sometimes reading this book. Like, I, I know I put this as a pro. That every page of this is dripping with lore, but it gets to be a detriment sometimes, especially if you're not super into cyberpunk and this is like your first interaction with it. Yeah. It's like, you know, if if you want to raz the Grimms, you've got to, you've got to be the best chodunk on your cobble that you've ever seen. And you're like, I don't know what any of those words meant, yeah. buddy. But I, you I, sound really enthusiastic about it, I, so... I, you know, you could say the same thing about a lot of other systems like that, that fit within this, where you're you're throwing terminology right on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes too much. Yeah. It, is, it becomes unrecognizable. Um, and I agree with that. At the same point, like, it it keeps you in the, the setting. It does. It Look, it's, it's a minor gripe. Right. It's a minor gripe. You but... know, like... If you walked into a den of millennials, there's a whole language there just as much as anywhere well, else. Well, there is, but but here's the thing though is that it's you understand it's, it. it's a subtle it's a subtle form of gatekeeping, right? Yes. Um in, in that like at first when I when I cracked the cyberpunk book open and started reading it, I was initially very turned off by it mm-hmm. and i was like oh god it's gonna take me forever to get through this if every single paragraph is like this mm-hmm. now luckily it wasn't no. but there was enough of it that when i first read it there was a culture shock moment of yeah. i wanted to put the book back down and just be like screw it but i have a podcast to do so <laughs> here we are you know um fair and like well okay so you know what a big wheel of time fan i am yeah and how much i've been like kind of pushing for you know i, I want everybody to watch the show because i think it's great mm-hmm. um 
But uh, I'll be dead honest with you. The first time I picked up Eye of the World, the first book in that series, I did the exact same thing. Set that right down. Because they were talking about the Aes Sedai and Shaitan was breaking the world with Luz Theron Telamon and he was channeling Sidar and Sidene and uh, and I was like, what is any of this? Yep. Literally, what is any of this? And now, I mean, I know what all of those words mean. Mm-hmm. I know who all of those characters are. Mm-hmm. But do you, did you understand anything I just said to you? Not at all. Not I'm, at wait, all. The Aes Sedai I do know Aes about. Sedai you recognize because rec- you watched the first I episode. I watched the first episode, so I know what the Aes Sedai is. And I understand that, the that like, evil is coming again. Like, the, the lord of whatever. What I'm saying, though, is yeah. that the number of buzzwords that were mm-hmm. in the prologue. Oh, God, yeah. Not chapter one. The, the prologue. prologue made me just shut that book and put it down because I was like, I'm, I, w- what? Yeah. I I am four paragraphs into this and I am lost. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to constantly refer to a glossary to be able to read this book, you know? Yeah. You pick it up quick enough, but yeah. man. You gotta want it. It's intimidating at it first and it, it's it's a little gatekeepy. You well, know? And, and I think you said it at the beginning of the, of the podcast is that, uh, it is realistic. We don't have a fantasy cover on this world. Exactly, we don't have yeah. elves or magic. It is not an alien race that has shown up. It's not some ancient evil or gods. It is us doing this to ourselves. And in that, it is it. one of the cons is that this game is very cynical. It is very dark about humanity and where it's put itself. And that humanity is crappy to humanity. And that's it. Like... It's not like AI has turned on us. It's not like, you know, dragons have come back from, you know, their their great slumbering depths. Nope, we did this. We, we did this to ourselves, and yeah. we know we did this to ourselves. Yeah. And so it's just, it's super cynical. And so if you're, if you're looking for a lighthearted romp, this may not be your game. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, if you're looking for something that is set in an alternative reality that is not far off from what could have or could happen to our world that makes for a unique setting Mm -hmm. that feels like Blade Runner or Mm -hmm. feels like Johnny Mnemonic or feels like a dystopian future where corporations and their rulescape have kind of dominated the playing field and that cultures mix... And society's mixed to a level that it's not even humans versus cyborgs versus, you know, uh, versus, you know, roaming bands of, of, of you know, uh, slightly irradiated, you know, you know uh, motorcycle gangs that go across the desert Mad Max style. Mm-hmm. It's all of those people in the same world trying to make humanity work. Yeah, yeah. And... That's kind of beautiful in its own way for storytelling. It's an it's an odd definition of beautiful, but I'll I'll back your play on that. For storytelling, it's beauty. Yeah, I say in that sense. Yeah, in that sense. Okay, we have some questions. We have a couple before questions, we yeah. like go on for hours. Uh, so Knox in the box asks: uh, In my research into Cyberpunk Red, most of the concerns I see people have with new versions are that it seems streamlined so much that players feel forced to house rule it just so that it's more mm-hmm. fun or yep. even makes sense. 
Players complained of limited actions slash mobility. One example that keeps popping up is the ruling of not being able to fire well in cover. Another popular complaint involved the weaponry being too generalized and dull. How do you make rule as sorry raw rules like this easy to enjoy? Uh, slash digest without house ruling everything. And that's what I was talking about, is that we are so um, complacent with either tactical games or heavy roleplay. Like, that that there can't be a mid-ground, that there can't be a common point where we accept that, hey, we want a little tactics in our storytelling, or we want a little storytelling in our tactics, and we carve out some weird system and slap it on top of our heavy tactical game so that we can roleplay, you know, and it feels awkward. Well, yeah, it's gonna. This system sits in that point, so when you say something like, and, and I, I, I saw this a lot, where people are like, well, I can't, cu- I can't fire while I'm in cover. Okay. No, you're going to have to pop out of that cover to fire, but you can go back into the cover when you're done shooting. Like, it's okay, dude. Correct. And that's the thing is that you're making an active decision to come out. This is a dangerous world. This isn't you in Shadowrun using your smart link to look over the wall through the eye of your gun to be able to target and shoot somebody. That's a different game. That's a heavy tactical shooter. If that's what you want to play, mm-hmm. go play Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. Use that system. On the other hand, if you're playing, if you want a game where you're holding yourself behind a wall while a guy is shooting rounds at you, and then you pop over and shoot rounds at him, and he goes diving behind, he stays behind his cover, and the whole time you're having a conversation with each other about who's right and wrong, because it's a storytelling game, then this fits into that place to give you a little bit of tactics to be able to do that. And I think... It is just fast enough to be able to enjoy that story. I think it's. I I think that when you're looking at the system, you cannot look at it with the same lens as you do D and D or Shadowrun or Palladium, where tactics are the key. Yeah, yeah. Where hit points and bullets and the amount of actions you have versus their actions matter. I I agree. Um, I. I think my my answer is going to be similar, but it's going to be a little more harsh. I think. Drop it. We got a microphone. They don't. I I got a microphone. Uh, so, look, if if generalities in stats makes you feel like the system is incomplete, I've got some real bad news for you about how other systems with far less detail are accomplishing so much more. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's one of the reasons why, like, I love things like Savage Worlds, which yeah. just bare minimum mechanics in mm-hmm. them, you know? No, I agree. Uh, because, honestly, what does it matter, the difference between this heavy pistol and that heavy pistol? Yeah, okay, we made them all the same. Does that make the game more boring? On the surface, maybe. But that's kind of where your storyteller's job is to come in and be like, he's... what to To not be... He's using a heavy pistol and being like, he brandishes his Colt Anaconda at you. Yeah. And you look down the 10-inch barrel of it before he squeezes the trigger. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that one's got more flavor than the other, but they mean the same thing. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm still rolling the 3d6 or 4d6 or whatever damage that does. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still rolling the same to hit numbers, but... 
one feels less generic than the other. Yeah. You can describe things any way you want, and you should be. You should yeah. be adding that flair, that drama in there. You don't need rules to make your game detailed and dramatic and exciting. But, and this is the part that gets me, is, is that the people who are like, I want the difference between the 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 Ares Predator and the AK-47 and the, you know, Steyr Aug, because those are all different guns with different bullets and different chambering and different fire modes and different everything else. And so if a guy is going to be using this, I want to have that customized level of, of my abilities through this firearm to be specific and crunchy and numbery and... Okay, then you're playing it. Go, you're playing Counter Strike. Yeah, you're 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 min maxing to a Counter Strike level. That's not what this the system is, not, is for. This is not a simulation of realism. No. Look, all of those weapons you just you just mentioned use similar bullets to put those bullets into other people. And honestly, if you fire any one of those three at an individual, they will effectively do the exact same thing. Exactly. In the same amount of bullets. The, the difference the difference in the physical trauma you were going to create in that body that you hit with it yep. or that object you hit with it is not going to be statistically different between 3D6 and 3D6. So at this point, it is really up to your storyteller to give you that difference. If yep. that's the type of game that you're looking for, maybe I as a storyteller acknowledge that. I so say, do we I... need to start doing something? I've got an idea. Okay. Where on the scale of of verisimilitude does this sit? We have to have... I, I think we have a scale now. Four or five? Okay, where one is... One, one, one is... Uh, a, a gun exists. Oh, and, 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 and ten t- and is... And ten is... Okay, if it's got a 10-inch barrel, it, it yeah. functions like this. But if it's a 9.5-inch barrel and fires these type of cartridges, it functions like Are the this. hypersonic rounds? Y- yeah, exactly. You know, are you using a 4X scope or a 10X scope? Yeah. I say it's a 4 or 5. I think there's enough detail in the combat system that it that it is it still feels tactical. It still feels active. Mm-hmm. Um, it A lot of similarities to some things like Dungeons & Dragons. Um, they're... The, uh, a lot of the the um, adventure current, kits and stuff. Current like that. Dungeons and Dragons, I will current say. Current Dungeons and Dragons, um, and the and the starter kit and stuff that come with uh, maps with mm-hmm. grids on them yep. and stuff like that. So they encourage that style of that style of of, of uh, adjudication mm-hmm. in their in their combat rules. But again, I do agree that like the rules are um, uh, stripped down mm-hmm. to the aspect of like p- pistols are the same. There's there's three different types of pistols, but. Those are, that's it. That's There's it. three different types of pistols. There's a couple different types of submachine guns. There's a couple different types of assault rifles. There's one or two types of sniper rifles. You've got like rocket launchers and miniguns. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. That's everything. Yep. You know? I, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So four or five. Okay. I yeah. agree. I agree. Overwatch. I love this question. The cyberpunk genre has, as a setting, was established in 1980s and has basically, uh, has the future of the past. So when you're thinking of cyberpunk flavor and themes fit into the world today, how can you use that to tell a better story at your table? So back in the eighties, we had a vision of what 2020 was going to look it is like. It's called retro futurism is Correct. the word you're looking for. And so we're, we're now telling stories of what we thought the silver jumpsuits of today would look like. Uh huh. 
how can we, and the question is, is how can you use that to tell a better story today at your table? Um, the, the thing I found most inspirational, um, when reading through this book of, of, of how to envision the world was when I was reading the net running rules. And they talked about how, um, first off, the internet is gone. Everything's local area networks now, but also that basically they've unified it as a, a, a single code base called meta, mm-hmm. which is a Linux style, like, uh, there's, there's no flashy GUI or yep. anything like that. It's all just text based and yep, stuff. All like command so line. I immediately went to thinking of that, as our technology base, everything being command line and stuff like that, and that that was where where I anchored my con- my con- my concept of of where the tech is, mm-hmm. and expounded from there. Yeah, and i I think that I think that is something telling about where our generation is at right now as a whole, where our technology is at as a whole, is that we now look at things like Battlestar Galactica differently. We look at the tech that they had. We look at tech from futuristic things like mm-hmm. Tron was talking about mm-hmm. AI and and how intelligent systems really were and what was going in the background. Despite all of the, the, the gooey interfaced <coughs> excuse me, and three D graphics that shows have given us about what the future is, this retro futurism always seems to break it back down to command line in the end. Yeah. That that's that's where we end up. Yeah. That no matter how much the technology gets slapped onto us, it'll always break down like a bad toaster. Mm-hmm. You know? Well that... you, you hear a lot of that even like nowadays about like cars. Um if you if you've if you've got any friends who um are in any way considered an auto mechanic, mm-hmm. you know, they'll they'll every single one of them will tell you like, Oh man, these old nineteen seventy cars are just a wonder to work on and they're all still working because they're easy to fix. But you know, you get nowadays and you need you need a damn computer to fix a car. Yeah. And you need a custom computer module to read what the problems are. Yeah. Because you can't even get to it. Yeah. And you can't go in and fix the engine because it's all computer timed and and adjusted and modulated and stuff like that. Yeah, it's smarter than you about the system that it's running to make sure that it continues to run. And so it's easy to imagine that when you when you edge towards an apocalypse, when you edge towards, you know, a, 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 a dystopian future, when you do have major breakdowns in technology like that, mm-hmm. that it would go that, that things would if they didn't regress into a into a dark age, they would at least regress to their simplest form. Yeah. And the other thing is, is and, and it, I think Knox makes an interesting point about the Doc Savage books talking about the wonders mm-hmm. being, you know, like the Antstream machine was a wonder. Yeah. And we stepped from that, from the Doc Savage ages of of our world's uh, comforts being the first thing that we fixed. Things that took care of the things that we didn't want to take care of. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm going to say it. The 1950s, well, the little misses don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, those yeah. types of things. We move from that to today, which is now changes for us to be more, mm-hmm. to be different, to transubstantiate as humans. And I think this story allows us to, th- this system allows us to flex that and by looking at where we believed we would be in the 80s and the cyber technology there and what ended it mm-hmm. 
and that those stories now allow us to talk about becoming transhuman, where we are no longer thinking about how humans are diverse. We are now looking at stories like, are we staying with humanity? Are we becoming something different than humanity? Are we moving humanities together? Yeah, yeah. And that's really the course of things. That's really where the stories start moving. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I think that's really where you can tell a better story at your table because you are no longer thinking about, and I'm going to put this back to where it was, we're not talking about elves doing it. We're not talking about dragons doing it. We're not talking about gods doing it. We're talking about us changing ourselves. And that's, I think, what really makes a better story at the table. That's an excellent answer. It comes right down to it. excellent answer. All right, I'm going to get us rolling for the end here, but uh, what's up next? Uh, so next week's topic, we're going to be talking about downtime activities. So it it, uh, it isn't always uh, adventure and, uh, and, and, and fighting and stuff like that. Sometimes you've got some downtime. You've got a little time to spend just at home and uh, work on maybe some projects and stuff like that. Uh, what do you do when you're not adventuring? Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. You can find the link to our uh, Discord on our Twitter, as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our uh, Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. We really appreciate your monthly contributions that help keep all of this running. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. As always, a big shout out to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much thank for you. loving thank and supporting you. us. Uh, all of our friends who uh, sat with us at our tables over the years give these great stories to share with you, as well as you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. We love you. Good night. Good night.